If you will, open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles. We want to find out who's hearing from God. Where are we turning? Oh, okay. Never mind. Isaiah 53. And I want to talk about, and this is the title, what about healing? What, what about healing? You know, we, we live in a time where there's a pandemic, but what about healing? Uh, we live in a time where there are, you know, things like AIDS and different things like that. And, you know, it seems like the medical field might get an upper hand on some areas and then something else comes. Then we also know that in the end of days, there will be plagues and pandemics and things like that. But what does the Bible say about healing? And, and we're going to probably look at it from some different ways that would help us. Because if God has something uh, in Scripture that's mentioned again and again, we would do ourselves a service to kind of investigate and be diligent because here is something we need to know. If there are things mentioned again and again in the Bible, there's probably again and again going to be a lot of opinions on it from all different kinds of angles. And one thing that would help us is to kind of get rid of some of human reasoning and just hear what God has to say and be like Jesus said, as simple as a child. A child, if you just tell them, they go, okay, that's it. And, but if, as you grow, you investigate. And there's an element where we should investigate but we should also just look at it for what it says. So Isaiah 53, we'll begin reading here in the fourth verse and the fifth verse. This man was a prophet who wrote this. I know there's a lot of spiritual ideas today. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus came and died. This guy was moved on by the Lord, and it's profound through the Old Testament how many things were told that Jesus would do, how he would die. Before Roman, the Romans were even a country ruling and became a world power and started crucifixion and started whipping people as a form of slow death, they were prophesied that the Savior or the Messiah would die on a tree, on a cross. That didn't even exist when it was spoken. And then an evil nation rose up, took over that land, and started doing that type of punishment, and Jesus died that way. And so right here, this is one of those foretelling things. Isaiah 53, verse 4, and it says this, Surely he has borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, or those whips, we are healed. Now I want to read that again, but in a different translation that uh, is a very reputable translation, the New American Standard Bible. And it will say a couple words that will translate them in, in maybe modern day. And so it will read a little clearer. It says, 
However, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. When, when did this happen? This happened when Jesus was whipped and when he was put on the cross. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted and struck down by God and humiliated, but he was pierced for our offenses and he was crushed for our wrongdoing. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him and by his wounds or stripes, we are healed. Now, these scriptures right here are a foretelling of what Jesus would do. This is huge because it tells us, you know, that Jesus would be pierced. You know, the Savior would, would die. But why was he dying? What you couldn't see and what I couldn't see when, we di when he died but let's say we could turn on an old black and white, you know, reel to reel. That was even before then. And we could see him dying on the cross. We would see not only Jesus dying on the cross. If they scanned out, we would see a guy on one side of him dying on a cross and a guy on the other side of him dying on a cross because it was capital punishment. It was a way if somebody did crimes uh, that were worthy of it, they would crucify the person. So we all, you know, think of Jesus dying on the cross like he was the only one. But technically, thousands of people back then died. There were roads where they would, you know, in areas they just they crucify people on a cross. But see, it wasn't what you just saw happen; it's what you didn't see happen that happened. Now that may not make sense, but when he was whipped, there was a payment not only, you know, on human terms because he never sinned, but a payment for health and healing. There was a payment for freedom for sin. Nobody can do good enough to free themselves from sin. Are you with me? Nobody can do anything enough, you know, give enough, be nice enough to people to take away shame out of the inside of them. Nobody can. Nobody, you know, you can use willpower and get free from certain things, uh, you know, that are of sin, but there is another way to get free through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he already paid for. And it's the same way with healing. Was healing already paid for? Now this, you know, may uh, affect people in their mind because you can argue, you know, while you're sitting there. You know, that happened to Jesus. One time he said to a crowd of people, he said to a man, he said, your sins be forgiven you. And it said people reasoned in their heart and said, who does he think he is saying your sins are forgiven? And then he turned around and told the guy uh, so that the people would know that I can forgive sins. He said, and the guy was crippled, he said, I say unto you, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked. Just to show them he not only forgives, but he's the healer too. Is healing already paid for? 
Is there a bank account, so to speak, that healing is already for everybody? Is there a, if, is there a bank account, so to speak, that could cure the worst sinner in the world and make him a loving person, meaning the most you know, despised man in prison that could so change him he, he could be the most forgiving and loving person in the prison. Is there the, the meanest person, you know, or the person who's addicted and there seems like there's no hope? Is there a payment already made for them and power that could make them free from any addiction and bondage? But the issue is, is if there's already a payment made... Why, why don't we see it as Christians? And we have testimonies regularly about people who get healed. But does that mean 100% of the people are getting healed? Does God want 100% of the people healed? Does God want 100% of the people free from sin? Yeah, do 100% of the people get free? No. Why, if that's what God wants? Those are good questions, and you're going to have to come back next week to learn the answer. I'm going to get a donut. No. No, we'll, we'll, we'll look at some of these things, because it's important. This verse of Scripture right here talks about peace in there, you know, and when we think of peace, we just think, you know, oh, some peace. It literally means welfare, soundness of mind, safety, prosperity, literally, if you look up the Hebrew word. So when he paid for this peace, you know, because how many people lose peace when a bill comes and they don't have money? See what I'm saying? <laughs> Obviously, a bill is due. They need food. And, um, but isn't that true? All of a sudden, there, there's pressure on us, but does it mean it's not paid for? Does it mean that, that things are not provided? And peace is to really covers your whole life. Everybody's life. Everybody's life. But why then is it that sometimes people experience it or sometimes people don't? Let's look at this verse of scripture in Matthew 8 first. Actually, let's not go there first. Let's go right past there to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians 11. You know, these questions have been answered in the Bible. Why, if it is provided, are some not partaking? Here's a question. Why, if it's provided, are many not experiencing it? Does that mean it's not God's will? But sometimes people might think, well, you know, the reason why people aren't experiencing it is it's God. Or it's God's will. And that's why they're not experiencing it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse uh, 29, he's teaching on communion. Anybody know what communion is? It's where you get the free bread and grape juice. 
Well, it means more than that. You know, when, when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is nice. You get a little bit of a snack. This doesn't do much for you. A little bit of grape juice to hold you over. And I just used to think, wow, this is really good grape juice, you know. And I didn't know what it was. They didn't tell you what it was. You just came and did it because it's religious. And uh, didn't realize there was profound significance that people could partake of of freedom from condemnation and guilt and walk in strength and deliverance through the activity of taking communion. And he's teaching on communion. He said this, verse 29. uh, We'll read verse 28 first. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, now understand this, he's not saying a person is unworthy, but there is an unworthy way to partake of communion. He eats and drinks judgment to himself. Now it doesn't say God is putting judgment on him, but somehow he permits something when he doesn't know. Notice this. Not discerning, literally, understanding the Lord's body. Notice, he said when somebody eats and drinks of communion and doesn't understand it, it says they're not, when they don't understand it, they don't discern, they don't know about the Lord's body. Or you could say it like this, what the Lord's body provided for them. Because some people think the only thing the Lord's body provided for them was to be free from sin. But when it says, by his stripes you were healed, somebody might say, well, that's spiritual healing. We're going to look at that. It's not. It's physical. But he said, when people don't understand what they're doing when they're eating this communion, it can open up the door for stuff in their life. But notice this, for this reason, because people don't understand the Lord's body or what the Lord did with his body, it says, and notice this, and we're going to look at scriptures that are clear that healing is for all. But he said here, for this reason, because people don't understand what the Lord did with his body, what he did when he died, what he did when he got whipped, what he did when he suffered and went to hell and on our behalf and then was raised from the dead. He said, people who truly don't understand that dynamic, he said, for this reason, many people are weak, sick, among you, and sleep or die prematurely. But isn't it for everybody? But he said, if people don't understand correctly, and this can cover a lot of areas, besides the topic he's going into, if people don't understand, if believers don't understand that they are led, they'll, they could live their life not being led. 
because they don't cooperate or that they have been set free from bondages or whatever it else it is or or peace of mind and even though it's paid for if they don't understand what the lord bought and provided they're already at a disadvantage and instead of saying many are weak and sick and die prematurely you could say many live in worry if they don't know that peace is provided many live in in worry in vexation and some have nervous breakdowns and some live with their nerves always frazzled you could change the topic because it's a principle and so one thing is is when we start getting light on some of these subjects remember i said sometimes we could get wrong light in other words, it, it just isn't coming across the way it was intended to come across, and it can actually stop us before we get what we need. Because people immediately will say, yes, I understand what is going on here, what the Lord did with his body, and how he promised healing for all. And healing is a promise. But do you know that healing is not a promise? I thought you said healing belonged to everybody, and he paid for it. He did, but it's not a promise. Healing is not a promise. You know, you could read through a lot of those statements we just read, and people will think healing is a promise, and it's not. Because if, if, it, if it's a promise, let me ask you this. We're coming up, we're rolling into Christmas. Maybe faster than rolling. But we're coming up on there real quick. And there are gifts that people are going to get for people. And if it's a gift, isn't it already paid for? Isn't a gift already paid for? Now, there's one thing I want to do, Matt, is I want to get you a gift. A good gift. Could you give me 300 bucks for it? Well, then that means he's paying for it. And if I turn around and say, hey, Matt, I got this cool thing. And, uh, but you need to come, well, I was going to say mow, mow my lawn, but I have rocks. So blow the rocks. <laughs> then is blowing the rocks a gift, a promise? It's a promise, but it, a promise is something that's conditioned. Right? I promise you this. In other words, it's a reward. But God didn't set healing like that, nor did he with uh, forgiveness of sins or becoming new. He basically said, I've already bought and paid for it. it. already belongs to you. It's not a promise. It's really a statement of fact. And there's a big difference because how I would approach God, and it may seem so tiny, but how I would approach God will change when I know it's a statement of fact instead of a promise. You promised God but did he promise or did he say it's already yours? Then how I approach the thing begins to change. Turn to Matthew, the 8th chapter. This is actually that Isaiah 53 in action. Matthew, the 8th chapter. And there is some profound stuff in here. I am convinced from the scripture that healing is for all. But we just saw 
why some don't partake. Because they don't know. And some people start coming in line and saying, I do know it's a promise. God promised he's going to do this. No, he didn't promise he's going to do it. He said, I already did something about it. And there is a vast, vast difference. Because God is going to do something is in the future. God already did something is in the past. Let me ask you this. If you already got your paycheck, didn't you already get paid? But if you're waiting for Friday, you haven't got it yet. So you can't spend it because you're waiting to get it. There's a big difference. Matthew 8, 16. And I'm in Mark, that's why it read different. Matthew 8, 16. And how many of you read your Bibles enough that you know, oh, that's over here and this is over here? And I was like, wait a minute. In, in my Bible, normally when I'm reading this, it's all the way in this column and I'm in the first column. Many clues. Matthew 8, 16. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Now, not everybody who was demon-possessed, but many people who were under the control of demons. And it, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Notice the phrase, he healed all that were sick. Do you know that there were times that Jesus didn't heal all who were sick? Okay, Luke 5 said the power of the Lord was present to heal. In that story I quoted earlier, how people were debating, you know, who is he to forgive sins? Well, over there in Luke 5, he didn't heal all. It said the power of the Lord was present to heal all, but not everybody got healed. As a matter of fact, none of the people got healed. That the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It says the power of the Lord was present to heal them, and then later on a guy came who was crippled and he was the guy who was brought before the Lord. They lowered him down under the roof. But the power was there to heal all of them. But none of them got healed until this guy came. Jesus saw their faith and he acted on his faith. So not everybody got healed. But does that mean that God didn't want them healed? No, the power was there to do it. Somehow there was a disconnect between the people. And I know that's an uncommon thought because a lot of times people think, well, the disconnect has to be because of God. But we already saw in Luke or 1 Corinthians 11, he said, for this reason, because people don't understand. Not because God hasn't done something. Not because God doesn't want something. We know these truths to be so concerning born again. A person can die and go to hell and the Lord already died and paid for them, and they just go, well, I don't need to do it today, and they get in an accident, and they're gone, and you can't say that God didn't want them to go to heaven. And you can't say God was going to save them. He already paid for them to be saved. They just didn't cooperate, whether they didn't know or didn't act. Are you with me? These are principles that are 
so spread out through the Bible. They're all over the place like this. And so it, he, he cast out the spirits and he healed all who were sick. Now, there are other places he didn't heal all who were sick. Matthew 12, Mark 6, he went to his own. It said he couldn't do mighty works, only healed people with minor ailments. And he tells you why, not because of him, but because people wouldn't believe. Not because him, but because people wouldn't believe. Then one time he went to this place where it said there were multiple porches of sick people, and he went in and healed one person and left. So he didn't heal all. Okay? This is important. Because, because when he didn't heal all, some people could come to the conclusion God didn't want all people healed. But if you look at different times when people didn't get healed, you can see why. You can see why. One place that said because they didn't regard the Lord and what he said, hi. In other words, they didn't accept what he said about it. But here it says, and he healed all who were sick. Now verse 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Now that's what we read back there in Isaiah 53. What was it that was spoken and why was it fulfilled here but not fulfilled at the, the place where there were five porches of sick people? He didn't quote this. When only one person got healed and when the power was present to heal them all and only one got healed, they didn't say that it might be fulfilled. And you could go through when Jesus only healed some because of their unbelief. They refused to accept what he had to say, the way he had to say it. And he didn't say the scripture was fulfilled there. Why did he say it was fulfilled here but not there? Because Christ, when he suffered and died, paid for everybody's. You could say it like this. If there are people here today who are, don't know the Lord and uh, we give an altar call at the end and we say, whoever would like to raise your hands, we'll pray with you after the service. You can call on the Lord. He will come in you. You will be saved. You will be made brand new. You will basically be receiving what is provided. Now, if everybody here who is unsaved cooperates, we would say God's will was done. Wouldn't we? But if half of them didn't, let's say there were 10 or just two, and one didn't get saved and one did get saved, you would have to say God's will didn't happen. Because why? Because God wills that none would perish, but God's will didn't happen there because not all of them got saved. And that proves to us that God's will is automatic and God's will coming to pass is often really based on cooperation with humanity. I said often, not always. But often, and most of the time, really it's based on cooperation of humanity. And because we know God didn't force anybody to be saved, but if everybody who didn't know the Lord and had not made him Savior said, I'm going to today, and did, we would say God's will happened. Wouldn't we? Yes. 
But if only half of them, we would say, man, we're grateful for uh, people who got saved. But if I wrote a note to the headquarters of the church, you know, in Jerusalem, that's not where it is, but in the Bible it was. And I said, it was, it was awesome. God's will happened today. Everybody got saved. Or I would write him back and say, half of the people who were lost got saved, but I wouldn't say God's will happened. Now his will happened for those who got saved, but not for all. Now let's read on. After he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Notice the phrase, that it might be fulfilled. In other words, these scriptures were just fulfilled. We have seen the will of God. It has been fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Notice when all of them got healed, the scripture was fulfilled because he paid for it for all. He paid for it for all. And so if he paid for it for all, that is his will and the scripture is fulfilled. That's okay to think like this. In other words, if somebody dies without the Lord, it's okay to think that God's scriptures were not fulfilled. God's will was not fulfilled. But when somebody goes to be with the Lord because they got saved, we go, man, that was the will of God, that we would not perish but live with him forever. And so he healed all. He healed all. Well, if he has healed all here, why didn't everybody get healed? There are maybe different reasons, but I'm going to narrow it down to some things that are, uh, seem to come up in me as I was looking to get ready for this concerning healing and how to walk in these things. And it really, if you look at scriptures, they come down to some pretty simple things. Number one, you got to know it belongs to you. you and, and here's the thing, and this is important. You've got to know it belongs to you and that it belongs not just to you, it belongs to everybody. So it, it belongs to you. It, it, it already belongs to you. And here's where people kind of get tangled up. Now you need to believe. Now you really got to believe. Let me ask you this. If God's word is really God's word, then do you really have to believe? I mean, if it's a fact, can't you just from your heart begin to act on it? Can you? The answer to that would be absolutely yes. I mean, we don't tell people, come on, really believe, and you call on the Lord and you'll be saved. They, you go, do you believe this? And they're like, yeah. And then we say, receive him, and we look at the profound results. Because it's just simplistic. We just tell them this is God's word. We keep it real simple. This is God's word. And we basically tell them, you act on it. Now, if they believe it's God's word, they will, and they choose, they can act on it. 
They don't have to. But they can, and acting on the word is huge. Acting on the word is huge. Here's a thought. God's commands are enabling. In other words, there is ability in whatever he commands. In whatever he commands, there is ability to the person who will act. Most Christians know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But how many of you know he does strengthen you, but how many of you have felt like, I don't got no strength? Nobody here, huh? Well, when I go preach at another church, I'll bring this up. And they'll maybe go, yeah. No, why is it? Is there not strength? Does he not strengthen? Or do you have to act on the truth before you experience the truth? Do you have to act before you experience? And if you don't act, then you won't experience. Well, I want to feel God's goosebumps that everybody's been talking about. Then I'm going to get saved. No, you won't experience it until you act. Feelings and experience come second. But often people want to feel and experience first. But really, whatever thing you want to walk in with God, you have to act on first. Know that God's word is flat to truth, and just because it is, you can act. There was a lady who was of a royal family. I don't know if she was actually the queen, but she was very high-ranking, and uh, I, she may very well have been, it's probably, you know, over a hundred years ago, this story. And uh, this person in this royal family had been attending a large cathedral there in England. And, you know, the stained glass and the, you know, all the religious things happening. And, and week after week and grew in this. And this is what her religious experience was. And as life went on, she just started getting so weighted down. She was under loads that she didn't know how to deal with and was struggling with any relationship with God. And she literally went out into what would be her ancestral woods, you know, around this palace and went out there under the trees and the shadows and started praying. And this is a quote. She literally said, oh God, let me know that you are. Let me know that you are. And she wrote this down because God spoke to her and answered. It said in a flash, the answer came. Act as though I was, and thou shalt know that I am. Let me say that again. Act as though I was and you shall know that I am. See, he already is before anybody acts. You are already healed before you act. You are already, salvation is already paid for before you act, but you won't know it until, it, that it is until you act. And that's what she said, or the Lord said to her, act as though I was, not I'm going to be. How many of you just sensed God so strong before you got to church this morning? 
one person. How many sensed God after we started praising him? Oh, more people. How many are... No. But it's true. You start praying. Well, you acted before you had an experience. And so like they, she said, at, he said to her, act as though I was, because he is, act as though I was, and thou shalt know that I am. That could be preached to the world. I don't know about this God business. And you're like, no! He is who he said he is. Well, why do you know that and they don't? Because you've acted as though he was, and you know he is now. But he is that. But they won't know it until they act. And then that's why I said the commands of God are enabling or full of power because there's something already there. God is already in heaven. How many people didn't serve God your whole life, meaning you weren't brought up in church, you got saved later on? That's the number of people. Then that means there were probably years in your life you didn't think about God, didn't experience God, didn't have anything happening to do with God. And now I would venture to say that those same people have had experiences. Act as though I was, because he is, and then you will know that I am. Notice it didn't say he'll know he was. It says then you'll know it. But this is a truth across the board. God's word is so, just like God is so, whether one believes it or not, or acts. But if one will act, then he can reap the experience. And some people are trying to get healed instead of believing they are healed and or accepting the fact at face value that he said you're healed, and then he says, then what do we do? We act. I remember there was a lady who came one time, was sitting on the side. She came in with a walker. She had uh, different things wrong with her. I remember because Lindsay stayed after church, we had dismissed and there was a few people and I remember she was in the back and what had happened, like we did this morning, we had a time where people come for prayer, and this lady came forward. I laid hands on her. The power of God went into her. She turned around and walked back and sat down in her seat with her walker there. She literally, I found out later, had several things that were quote-unquote unhealable. And I prayed with her, and she sat down and through the whole service, and you could see no change in her. Then when service was dismissed, she looked at me and went and put her hands up because she couldn't stand on her own. And she said, I'm ready. Well, I'd already prayed for her. But you know what? She never acted. If Jesus says to Peter, come, he's never going to get to walk on water till he takes a step. But he's already got the promise. Now he's got to act or he won't know for himself. And so this lady said, I'm ready. I said, then stand up. And I took her by her hands and stood her up. And she had no sign of any change in her body. I said, let's start walking. And as soon as she took her first step, all of a sudden, you know, it, I went from up in my head to down here and I could sense, we're going to walk this miracle out. And I, we started walking and I was holding her like this 
And as soon as I said, now I'm going to pull my arm away, she went from here down inside her spirit up into her head. And I said, no, no, keep concentrating inside. You've got this. And I pulled my hand off. And we started walking, and her walking got better when we went across the front. I said, now let's turn around. And when we did, I started walking, and her walking got stronger. And I said, I'm going to let go of you. And all of a sudden, she disconnected from way down inside. I said, no, 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 no. You, you believe you've got it. Stay with it. I'll catch you. And she did, and as she walked, all of a sudden her strength came all the way back, had my hand way behind her. I eventually dropped my hand and walked, and walked her all the way across the front. You remember that? She just walked like this, just got totally normal, walked across the front, and went and sat down. And this was right before, you know, that to-go walk-in restaurant was here. It just recently closed. Um, she literally was with a couple of people and they said, well, let's go over there and eat. And she said, okay. And so she walked across the parking lot and then walked back across the parking lot. But here's the thing. When she got back, she said, you know, put the walker in my trunk. You know, I'm going to take it home. And then she said this. She said, leave it there just in case. I, I told her, don't do that. Because the minute you have a feeling and you quit acting, it's going to start coming back. And so you know what she did? She got home, she took it out and put it aside. She later on sent a letter or came with a letter so showing, I think I still have it, of the various things that were healed. And I showed it to some people who are in the medical field and they said, those things are uncurable but it was already paid for. She just acted. She acted. So we could say the scripture was fulfilled. If it doesn't happen, the scripture wasn't fulfilled even though it was paid for, so the will didn't happen. She started acting. Here's a verse of scripture. Everybody alive and well? Maybe we'll close with this one. I didn't get near where I wanted to. We'll close here. I may make another comment, but... Acts 9, Acts the ninth chapter. What, what made the difference from her? She started acting from the heart before she experienced any change in her body. And I'll tell you this, because I was there, she was dealing with stuff coming to her head. What if I fall? Uh-oh, he's letting go of me. What if I can't make it? And as soon as I let go, she went from believing to, oh, and I said, no, no, connect. Stay down there. You say, what do you mean stay down there? Stay with believing what you know inside instead of getting up and reasoning. And sometimes you have to fight those thoughts. Hallelujah. I mean, not you, but other people. Now we could say, amen. No, we all have thoughts. This verse is pretty awesome right here. Not that the other ones weren't, but this is interesting. Peter, here in Acts 9, 34, it said, And Peter said to him, 
Well, we'll read verse 32 down. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwell in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, arise, make your bed, and then he arose immediately. Notice it doesn't say he had any feelings. Now I'm going to read this from a different translation, and you might find this real interesting because of how it reads. Because Jesus has already paid for healing because he already took stripes. Listen to this from the contemporary English version. Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus Christ has healed you. Get up and make your bed. At once, he stood up. That, there's a big difference. Jesus Christ has healed you. But he was still crippled. Jesus Christ has healed you, but he still couldn't move. Jesus Christ has healed you, Get up, but, but my legs don't work. He began to act. He began to act. Here's a good question. How many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament did God tell somebody something, make, and I'm going to use the word promise, made a promise about something or made a statement of fact that they had not experienced and asked them to act before they experienced it. Most of us know the story of Jericho. He said, I've given you the land. The first batch said, we can't do it. They didn't act. He said, go up at once. I said, nope, nope, nope. And they didn't possess it. The next group, he said, same thing. I've given it to you. They acted. Well, wasn't it God's will for the first bunch? You can't say he didn't provide it. They just refused to act like it was so. The crippled man in Luke 5, Peter walking on the water. I mean, you could go through different experiences, you know, like the, the uh, prodigal son. Remember him? The story of the prodigal son who went off and lived with prostitutes, sold all his inheritance. And uh, he was still in bondage. And you know what he did? He said, I will go to my father and do this. And all he did was act on the truth. And as he acted, the father met him. But he had to act. It's a good, good question to ask. Is this the typical way it happened in the Bible? Yeah. And so then what we need to do is realize... If it's God's word, then we can act on it. Well, I tried it and it doesn't work. Don't try it. Just do it. There's a big difference if I'm experimenting or doing. 